Welcome to Design Assembly Conversations. In this series, we talk to New Zealand graphic designers, hear their stories, and celebrate their work. I'm Louise, and today I'm talking to Annie Dow. Annie started and runs Dow Design, which has, for over 21 years, been a leading New Zealand design studio. Annie, can you start by telling us where you've come from? Well, actually, I'm a Pommie, to be honest. I'm UK-born, but I would never really call myself that because I've been here since the age of four. So my family immigrated in, uh, way back in the early 60s. So sadly, my father missed out on the $10 boat trip um, and he had to pay full fare, but he was still committed to coming down to New Zealand. <clears throat> so yeah, that's where my roots are, but I do call myself a Kiwi because I've been here forever. And how did you get into graphic design? Well, that's kind of interesting because I think I've always had an art influence in my life. Um, my father was a creative person in, in many levels, so he was an engineer by trade, but he had a passion for neon sign design, which he picked up in the UK. Um, and he also liked to do things in 3D, so he was a display um, designer as well. So he's one of the early New Zealand display design companies. So I guess he was a big influence and mentor because I used to go and work with him from the age of 11 and, you know, for 50 cents an hour I'd... Uh, do the strip heating and you know bend the plastic so that it could be folded up into the Polaroid sunglass stands. Any of you that are as old as me will remember the Polaroid sunglass stands in all of your local pharmacies. Um, so he was a big influence and mentor. Um, and then I was sort of always had a passion for photography um, and very much like black and white photography. Um, and so that was also sort of in tandem um, with my experiences and learnings from Dad. And then I kind of felt that I wanted to either be a photographic teacher or an art teacher. Sadly, when I applied for Teachers Training College, I didn't get accepted, which I was mortified by. And so I then applied for ATI and I got accepted there. Well, back in those days, you probably had 20 students, maybe 25, um, and it was ATI, the Auckland Technological Institute, so it really wasn't much to do with design, or um, design as we know it in today's society. Um, <clears throat> and so that's where I sort of began my, I guess, training, if you could say that was training, um, because I think really from memory we were just all floating around doing um, design and art pieces that probably were way different to what you do now. So I wasn't always wanting to be a graphic designer, I kind of just fell into it. So after ATI I then went out and got a, a finished art job. So back in those days you would do um, uh, finished art with um, paste up, you know, in the old typography days, you know, typesetting days. So I sort of started there really and then always having the influence of my father around me um, grew from that I guess um, and worked with him for a little while too for about three years at some point in my life too so learned a lot from him. Mm. And you travelled to Sydney and London quite early on. Yeah, now that was interesting. I, I guess that's because being UK born um, 
And UK always being so design influenced, and of course the centre of you know in Europe, fashion and style. Um, I was always inspired to kind of go back overseas. I guess see the family. I had a lot of family there as well, um, you know, cousins, etc. And I went to Sydney first because uh, it was sort of a hop, skip, and a jump, of course. But I got accepted into the Billy Blue group, who I think is still around, although I believe they might have sold a couple of times. Um, I knew someone who knew someone, and the doors opened there. And so I worked there as sort of on a freelance basis for six months. And that's when I sort of got really interested into designing the commercial aspect of design. Um, so I guess for me, I would never have seen myself as a fantastic designer. Um, but I was very practical, um, and so I probably wouldn't be ever given the creme de la creme jobs, but I could do things with agility and would always bring a sort of little commercial twist. So um, that led me then onto the UK, um, and, you know, I mean, I was just inspired by being in the UK, being in London, um, I freelanced for a little while. I, I worked at one particular company that was very, very immersed in book cover design, and I found that really fascinating because that's quite a, a different thing. That's quite 3D. Um, it, it's a little bit more illustrative, illustrative and inspirational because you're selling a book. Um, so that was very interesting. And then I moved into Pentagram, and I guess that's when I really got the sense that I quite liked things 3D. I'd been doing that with my father with display, you know, because he owned the display group, which is still around today. Um, and so I kind of had that sense of, of um, what 3D means. And Pentagram back in those days was probably one of the early true packaging design companies that was starting to get uh, known for that. And so working there is, is when I, I really went, wow, there's something about this I really like. And so I stayed with them for quite a while. And then on my return to New Zealand, um, that's actually when I met my husband. And he was already sort of an account director in advertising and design. So with the skills I had and the skills he had, you know, that's how, <clears throat> that's how things connected back here. So working at Pentagram, which is still a leading um, graphic design mm. company worldwide, and can you remember um, any of the designers that stood out to you as? I can't remember or? their names, really. I mean, it's huge, mm. and it was huge back then, so I can't really remember any names per se, and, you know, I'm going to be telling my age here, Louise, if I tell you how long ago that was, because it is a long, long time ago. But it was always just a really powerful place to work and it was very commercial. So it was probably the first time that I had, apart from perhaps working with my father, it was the first time that I'd experienced working in a design business per se, be it any type of visual comms, you know, because I've worked a little ad agency back here in the early days too before I left to the UK where I really got that sense of these guys mean design to mean business. So, and that's when I learned something about myself that um, I had an innate sense of 
intuition with design mm. and what that could mean. So when I met Greg, uh, I think that's how we naturally bifolded into working together. Um, and, and that's when we started our own business because I was the one that sort of saw the gap back here. Mm. I think back in those days, Dashwood Design was probably the first <coughs> truly sort of immersed in FMCG design company. Um, did Greg and I truly want to target FMCG? I think in the early days we didn't. Um, so that was 1993. Um, but we naturally sort of fell into that. And I think the thing with him and I was we were both high achievers, so we sort of pushed each other. And so what happened was I started, I was the designer, but I soon realised that I'm a crap designer, really. To be honest, I don't have the design skills that my team have today or any of my team have ever had in the 23 years of Dow Design. But that's when I realised that the skills I have is leadership, commercial reality, but that intuition on what great design is. So that's when we decided, let's get a designer, let's step away because I was clearly better at the relationship with the client and the sales and the conversation around you know, what design can bring um, and the power of it, I guess. So did you learn these business skills on the job or did you on do some training? Job. No, no training on the job. I mean, since then I've had... Many different courses I've been to. I've been to the Darden Executive Course, um, which is run by the University of Virginia. I went on the Better by Design CEO study tour. I've done some leadership courses with the LMA. Um, but back in those days, you know, it was a very, very different market, and we were just, you were just in it on the job. And I guess you learn by your mistakes. It's a great way to learn. You know, you learn when you've overstep the mark in a business meeting or you haven't heard your client you've been pushing your views too much or you're not as collaborative as you could have been or so yeah very much on the job and I I there's something about that on the job training it's invaluable um, I think it's you can't um, you can't teach that so today mm. in um, within the business of Dow Design um, what is your role? Do you work, you know, look over the um, creative and the design work? Yeah, so, well, we've got Donna McCourt, who's my right-hand creative director, who's been with me for 19 of those 23 years, so we're pretty much a strong duo. Um, and so she obviously oversees it to a point when they feel comfortable to show me, and then that's when I see it. So... Um, we either have a portal where we um, put it up on our internal system where I review it, or we'll have a meeting where they'll bring the work into me. Um, and, you know, more often than not, there is a, a situation where I'll go, mm, it's missing this, or I think you need to bring up that, or, you know, something around what the brand is standing for that I think they haven't quite got right. It'll only be a little nuance, but it just, you know, they go, God, we didn't see that. So I'm sort of the last pair of eyes to review it. So I do play very much a leadership role over the three functions of the business. Well, actually, there's four functions. So I believe a successful design company has to have these four functions. So you've got, you know, your sort of key account service, sales, business development, strategic thinking arm, 
you've got your production, delivery, implementation arm, which is really important, your design and creativity arm, of course, which is critical, and your financial arm. <clears throat> and I think the financial arm is the arm that most design companies miss out on. So, yeah, so I am a leader across all those functions, and I have um, people in all those roles underneath me running those. And do you spend... Um, a lot of your time or some of your time keeping up to date with um, trends overall in society? Yeah, I try to. You know, I try to um, have my own downtime where I'm connected with magazines that I'll get or other people. So I, I am a very commercially minded woman. So, um, you know, I'm probably less of the artiste in the business, but I do have and love things that, that are important to me. So, you know, someone like Annie Leibovitz is someone who's a, a true mentor to me or someone who I just completely look up to. So I'll follow her work. And that's probably because I love photography and I love taking people and I love that whole um, idea of capturing people off guard. You know, it's not sort of posed, mm -hmm. even though I suppose most of Annie Leibovitz is definitely posed and styled. Um, and then just, you know, doing any other things around art-centric things that I'll probably do outside of the team um, with other people that I connect with. I connect with a lot of other businesswomen in other industries because you learn a lot from them too. Um, and we're very much involved with Q Theatre. Um, Q Theatre has been um, our sort of give back to the arts community. Um, or the theatrical community, or whatever drama community, whatever performing arts, whatever you'd like to call it, um, we created that brand name. We've created the brand look, and so we're kind of their um, design and art sponsor. So I'll take the team to events that are there, and and you know, and that's quite exciting because the events that they have at Q are anything from plays to musics to dance to drama. To, so that's quite broad, um, and. I guess uh, if I'm not doing creative, because I knit, that's another thing I like to do, but I only like to knit in the winter because it's just not good to knit in summer. And I love to knit for children because I love the joy that you can bring the child and the parents. But I know that you can only knit up to about the age of nine because kids hate woolen items after that. Um, and so that's another bit of a de-stress and downtime thing for me. Um, uh, the gym, of course, is another sort of external outlet where I, I think the gym is really huge for me and it's probably more for mental stability because I find, particularly now that I'm on my own, because, of course, sadly, you know, I lost my husband 10 years ago. I can't believe it's a decade, but um, I find that the gym just helps me to stop my head from running around. So when you sort of are a leader, you are continually thinking, well, I tend to be continually thinking about ways that I can improve things. You know, how can we do something better for a client? How can we collaborate more internally with each other? Because I think what happens is it's communication, verbal communication that's really important as well in design. It's the right arm talking to the left arm. And, you know, that can often... That can often slip away, you've got to be really collaborative with your clients. So I'm continually trying to either read some 
you know, top line leadership books or, you know, interesting stuff that you might follow, you know, even Sega Master, what, you know, just things you tap into where you, it just helps you to go, oh, okay, yeah, I remember that, or God, I'd forgotten that, or I need to do that, or that's, you know, so, yeah, I try and be as influenced as I can without, if I'm really honest, without work consuming me, because it has kind of become, it's become my glue, um, which, you know, isn't a bad thing, because I love it. Um, but I do have to be careful that I don't, you know, I need to have some downtime and walk away from it too, because I can live and breathe it. And how have you seen the industry in New Zealand change over the last 21 years? Fundamentally, um, I think it has changed dramatically. Um, anyone now can buy a Mac and set themselves up. So... My brutal opinion is that we are commoditizing design, devaluing it, and doing average work. Now I know that doesn't just come down to the design community because it is all about the client relationship, what the client wants as well, but I have seen so many entrants into design now. Um, so many breakaways from advertising because I think you could say that the advertising world has fundamentally affected design as well because they're setting up with their own design in-house studios. You've got an absolute emergence of in-house studios and businesses now. Um, <clears throat> so they pull in their own designers and are those designers, and I, I'm not meaning to be a design snob because I'm definitely not because I'm probably one of the most commercial design companies in New Zealand, maybe apart from Designworks and DNA and a few others, I'm not sure. There's so many of us now, but I, I do feel that we are possibly not delivering the design level that we should. But I also feel there's a responsibility back to the marketing world as well, because I do think the marketing world has uh, has changed as well, which is affecting us too. So we we don't seem to ha we seem to have a lot of people um, and maybe less skills, or less of the the great skills that can design something beautiful. Because I still believe that you can be commercial, but you still got to be beautiful and you still got to be distinct. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I've seen it change dramatically. I, is it going to be cyclic? I'm not sure. I think something about that GFC has reset the world, not just in design, but in any industry. But what I find fascinating, and I've often said to Donna, um, is, you know, the world talks about design across everything now, you know, like whether it's strategic design, brand design, fashion design, you know, whatever design, graphic design, architecture, interiors, everything, you know, there is so much around design that's become more prevalent, yet we, we sort of, we have commoditized it, you know, we, ha we, are, we are dumbing it down, is that a right or wrong thing, I don't know. Back in the days when we were probably in our heyday, we had marketers that would, you know, absolutely listen to what we had to say. There was a lot more collaboration. We talk about it being a really collaborative world. Um, we had more collaboration with our ad agencies or 
whoever PR companies or whoever our clients were pulling together, design companies, whatever, um, there was a lot more round-the-table brainstorming and workshopping than, than there is today. And I, I think that's probably because there just isn't the money around. So everyone's doing everything on a shoestring and everyone's doing lots of things. So they're doing lots of little things, but are they doing great things? And what no. do you think we can do as an industry? I don't know. <laughs> it's one thing I battle with every day and I, and I kind of think, you know, how do we get... So, so Dow Design is going on a bit of a PR spin again soon. I haven't done any PR for a long time. And so part of, part of the PR is this. Part of the PR is to try and lift the value of design in New Zealand again. I think we've got some incredibly creative people. There's some incredible talent coming out. And there's some incredible, exciting new things because there are new models. And so, and I, I think I love seeing the new models and the new ways of working too. But I think there's a lot to be learned from, you know, sort of 101 brand and marketing as well. Like I think... Um, unless you, in my mind, because I come from that visual communication sense, so it is what you see, if things aren't integrated all the way through and have a consistent voice, then I just think they do break down. So I have seen clients waste so much money on, you know, maybe an app that hasn't worked. 200 people have downloaded it. They might have paid 150 grand for it. I mean, so I kind of get a little bit frustrated with how... Perhaps we're not coming together like we used to, to to really understand what a brand stood for, and then all of us would kind of collaborate to make sure that you know that whatever campaign or you know because it is a very digital world now. So even if it's online, it's all aligned. You know, there's nothing that I like more than seeing something we've worked on then go out to be completed by some one else that's bringing their skill set to it to be integrated and all the way through and then the customer completely understands or the consumer or the client at the end of the day or the b2b service whoever it is they just get it like that you know they get the sense of it straight away and you know it's, it, it doesn't have to be explained i suppose apple is one of the you know best case studies in the world for that isn't it so do you talk to other um, studios or business owners about this? I, I would like to. We do, I talk a little bit to, uh, less lately, to be, to be honest. Um, I am in touch with two or three of them that I communicate with. And, you know, maybe there's something we should be a bit more responsible about. Maybe there's something I could do being more of a, one of the older uh, leaders in the design industry, um, yeah, perhaps there's something in that where we could get together and find out ways of how we uh, could make a change or a groundswell. Mm -hmm. I do communicate because we have come from such an FMCG background and we are definitely moving out to other categories, but I do have a lot to do with the FCG, which is the Food and um, FGC, Food and Grocery Council. So I've been talking to them about an initiative about trying to get um, marketers back into that category. Because food and beverage is a really, really important part of our export drive in New Zealand. And we are losing marketing skills in that area. So what kind of happened with the GFC is those businesses 
you know, felt the ricochet effect and started to, you know, lose momentum and the retailers gained momentum and so the power shifted. Um, and I guess marketing in those categories became less sexy and digital became the new sexy. So all the marketers were going into, you know, like Vodafone, Air New Zealand, Google, you know, you name it. Um, and so that kind of B2B service online digital platform has become a little bit sexier. So a lot of the skill sets gone out in true traditional, you know, perhaps food and beverage consumer marketing. So I am talking to them about how, you know, is there, you know, can we do some kind of trade show at the university where little food companies can have stands or something and students can come in and learn about what marketing means or, you know, in, a, in, in that kind of world or I don't know. So, yeah, there's a few ideas we have. So I do definitely try and connect um, with other leaders and talk about ways we can... Ways we can, I guess, help each other, because I think everyone's feeling it. <clears throat> I think it's just, I hear it from everyone, and actually, not just in our own industry, because I'm networked, I've got huge networks, even in service industries like lawyers, accountants, the same thing is happening where they feel expertise and skills of a certain value are being commoditized, and because a one-man band lawyer and, you know, can start up and do his own thing. And look, there's nothing wrong with that. And that model has been around a lifetime. That's how pet businesses grow. You grow with an idea. So, I mean, you can't, you know, it's fair trading. You can't, you can't change that. But I do, I do feel that we need to have a stronger voice in some of our service areas where you do have certain companies that have a higher skill level. I mean, I have, you know skilled people in here on high wages so you know they are senior designers and senior people so that is my model yeah of course I've got to feed that but you know I also like to deliver enormous value back to the clients and so that means you you know you want to have the skilled people that are really delivering the right result so yeah um, it is it's a changing changing community um, where it's leading God, I'm, I'm not sure because I think this next young generation, they just think quite differently to us. So, you know, maybe they'll bring in completely new models. Who knows? It's unknown, isn't it? And uh, what are you working on now in the, well, I can't, in the studio? I can't really <laughs> tell you. There are some exciting things um, that we have definitely been working on. So we are, there are some exciting launches. Um, we're working on more provincial businesses, so that because I can't tell you brands and names because they haven't quite launched. And of course, in a lot of the categories I work in, the launches take quite a while. There's a lot of work involved, so it might take at least six to eight months to nine months to 12 to 18 to launch something. But the provincial companies, what I'm really, really liking, um, is that through, whilst there is a lot of talk about brand and design and there's a lot of people doing it, also for a company like ours, that can bring benefits because there are a lot of provincial companies that really know they have to invest in brand, so they're looking to, to invest with skilled people, skilled practitioners that can really bring great value, who's been around a long time, 
What have they done? Who knows their stuff? Um, you know, who can I trust? This is new for us. And they're starting to invest quite good money. So that that is really exciting for me because it's most of our work over the years has come from, you know, Sydney, Melbourne, Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch. It's now, you know, the Palmerston Norths, New Plymouths, you know, Taurongas. It's exciting, you know, Fongare. There are there are businesses going, we need to invest in brand. We don't know about it. We want it done well. So that's some of the new groundswell that's happening for us. Mm. Yeah, that sounds exciting. And um, perhaps it reflects a little of the um, population, you know, shifting from, um, you know, Auckland and Christchurch True. and into the regions, mm, yeah. which I think is um, going to be a benefit to the regions in New Zealand as a whole that um, professionals, more skilled people will be living outside of Auckland. Oh, look, I think you're absolutely right, because, you know, <clears throat> let's face it, it's tough in Auckland, isn't it? And, you know, I mean, gosh, all the conversations we're having at the moment about, you know, housing crises and everything, it's, it's really, really hard. So Hamilton is another sort of burgeoning little area. I mean, you are, there is a benefit to back to those little provinces where you have got some new design companies starting there as well, which is great. Um, but it is nice for us to be recognised as well and for those businesses or manufacturers in many different categories, you know, um, coming to us because they feel like they need that sort of maybe um, hiring skill. So, yeah, it's, um, it's quite diverse now. And interestingly, my business was founded on the corporates. So what's happened with the corporate world is the corporate world is less privately owned and owned by internationals. So all our big beer companies, our big biscuit companies, our, apart from our dairy company, um, you know, our bigger companies have been bought out by big international companies. So, you know, they, they are more and more answerable to what they have to deliver to the corporate box. So, you know, the spend is shrinking probably for them um, as they maybe place more emphasis or focus on larger growth markets like Asia. Um, but then again, what we're also seeing is a lot of the clients that are coming to us are definitely launching in America and East Asia. Um, those are two emerging markets for New Zealand exporters. So we are seeing some interesting export clients come to us and a lot of new startups that are coming with new products that they're developing for a certain market. Mm. So and lots of change. And uh, finally, what's your, what would be your advice to designers and creators working out there? Don't undervalue design. <laughs> That's what I think. Um, Oh, let me think about that. Be passionate. I think, you know, like really love it. It's not easy. This has become a tough market and it is about business. Design means business. But I also think that beautiful things sell. So be very conscious to not plagiarise. Or I mean, nothing's new. We all kind of reinvent ourselves and new trends come back in in new ways from old you know, historic learnings or whatever, but but I think you have to be true to yourself, try not to undervalue what you do, believe in yourself, believe in your worth, um, yeah, be passionate about it, be committed, because it isn't easy, 
Um, and yeah, try and help all of us to grow a design community in New Zealand that's really globally respected. Um, I think that's quite important. I think we do have a very good name in certain categories. Uh, you know, film, we've been put on the map with film, we've been put on the map in Silicon Valley with, you know, a lot of our products that we've created there and online products. But, you know, how well are we really doing with going, wow, that's a fantastic New Zealand brand? Because that's where I think we're really not building our nation to a great strength because it's, you know, always talked about Fonterra, but, you know, Fonterra and the All Blacks, we're a lot more than that, you know. So I think in these categories that we work in, I'd love to see us really, you know, get some strong gains where businesses are growing um, and become, you know, become brands that have got some kind of inherent beauty that maybe you know, is all about New Zealand or something, or it is, you know, it's it, it's done in such a way that it's, it becomes like an apple or something to New Zealand. I'd love to see that, you know, because I do think even Fonterra, and I love them, they're my client, but, you know, they are putting a corporate spin on everything they do, you know, they're, they're not, not doing anything wildly distinct, so that's what I like to see. I like to see new things. Well, thanks for your time today, Annie. Pleasure. Thank you very much. And um, I love what you do, Louise. So keep up the good work. Thanks. For more information in relation to this interview, please go to the podcast links and resources on our website, designassembly.org.nz.